Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Again, I want to welcome everyone watching online, and I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Give yourself a hand. You made it. We're here. Despite all of the challenges that we faced last year, we're here. I really enjoyed over the last several days watching many of my friends post uh, some of their highlights from last year. It just reminds me that uh, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, right? And uh, God's moving. And so I'm excited about this. Is, this is honestly my favorite time of year going into a season of prayer and fasting because if you've never done it before, prayer and fasting, the times that we have here, uh, it's known as prepare, is, is so powerful. The atmosphere is electric. Uh, when, when the church comes together and we fast and pray and seek God, I mean, you know, great things happen when you get together and pray and seek God. And so we've heard uh, so many testimonies over the years of God doing phenomenal things. I think about uh, a woman named Danielle, and I think about how she was battling addiction for so many years and just tried to overcome some of those areas, and she just couldn't. And, and she committed to praying and fasting. And over the course of those three days, God broke that addiction off her life. And she just got baptized this past December. So that's awesome. I think about uh, a guy named Andy. Yeah, you can give a hand for that. I, I think about Andy. And uh, Andy was a guy who uh, was dealing with chronic arthritis and was always constantly on pain medicine. And he was believing God for a healing in his life. And through prayer and fasting, God not only healed him, but now he's not dependent on any pain medication anymore. And so many stories of couples who are believing God to uh, conceive a child, to get pregnant, and now they have healthy children. So what happens in these atmospheres is, is uh, our faith's ignited, we're seeking God, but it's an atmosphere where God can break through and do some amazing things in our lives. So if I were you, I would do whatever I had to do to get into those environments. Register online. Uh, do us a favor, though. Uh, the Keller campus here is the only campus that we have that we're having birth all the way through sixth grade for those three nights. So we're really asking our young adults, our young professionals, our students, those without kids that are under the age of 30, to go to the Bowden. That's going to free up some space here so that we can accommodate everyone. You know, one of the, the key components of prepare is not just the messages and, 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 and the prayer time, but it's also fasting. It's a time of fasting. And so I, I was thinking about this story I heard not too long ago. It's a true story. It happened in, um, you know, Mount Vernon, Texas. And there was this bar named Drummond's Bar. And uh, they were doing pretty good in their business and they wanted to expand their operations. So they got all the permits and everything necessary. And they, they started um, expanding their business. But there was a local Baptist church who found out that this bar was wanting to expand in their city. And they, they called a, a prayer and fasting time to, to pray and believe that God would shut that place down. And, and progress was being made on this bar. And right up until the week of its reopening, uh, a storm came through Mount Vernon, Texas, and lightning struck the bar. It's a true story. It struck the bar, and it burnt all the way down to the ground. And so this congregation of people around town were boasting and were bragging about how powerful their prayers were, you know, as you and I probably would as well, you know. The bar owner found out. And so the bar owner decided to sue the church for either directly or indirectly causing his business to burn down. 
And so, you know, it files the paperwork and all that. And so the members of the congregation are summoned to court and, and they adamantly at this time denied anything to do with anything that, that happened to that bar. And so the judge comes out and, and he's just kind of like, I really don't know how to render the verdict on this case. He says, it appears to me that we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and fasting. Yet we have an entire congregation of the church who does not believe in the power of prayer and fasting. He found himself in a dilemma. Well, we here at Milestone, we believe in the power of prayer and fasting. And that's what we're going to do starting next weekend. Pastor Jeff's going to kick us off and then we'll have three days of praying and fasting. But um, I want you to ask yourself this question, because if there's anything that last year revealed to us was there are areas of our lives that we could all use a breakthrough in. So I want you just to think about this for a moment. What is an area or areas in your life that you need a breakthrough? Is it in your marriage, your finances? Maybe it's in a relationship with one of your children or a family member. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your relationship with God. Uh, I, I'm going to look today together. We're going to look at a couple of stories. We're going to talk about what fasting is and what it isn't. But I'm going to teach you today how to have a breakthrough in every single area of your life. You know, fasting, it's not easy, but fasting is powerful. What happens when we fast is faith is ignited inside of our hearts as we draw close to God and we get rid of some of the distractions. But fasting is not manipulation. In other words, just because I'm fasting, I can't start demanding that God does stuff in my life. Because not, God's not going to do anything that's not according to his plan, his purpose, and his will. Now, you can ask, and you should ask, and you should ask boldly. You should go into a time of prayer and fasting with some needs and things that you're believing God for. But we don't manipulate God. Fasting is also, it's not a time to try to show people how spiritual you are. Jesus talked about this in the scriptures. He said, listen, when you fast, don't walk around all gloom and so to draw attention to yourself. He said, go about your day as you would any other day and fast and pray to your father who's in secret and he will reward you. So fasting is not about showing off about how spiritual you are. Fasting is not a diet. It would be a horrible diet if it was a diet. It's not a diet. You might lose a couple pounds when you fast, but that's not the point of it. The point of fasting is to abstain from food but also we pray, we worship, we get fed on the word of God and we draw close to him. I hear sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm going to fast TV and I'm going to fast social media. And I say, well, that's great. Those are distractions that you might want to put aside. But technically, that's really not fasting because the biblical definition of fasting is to abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Now, I know if you've never done this before, you're thinking, man, I like to eat. I, I, I'm all about the Jesus stuff, but I'm not into the fasting stuff. Fasting is really the secret sauce. It's really the thing that, that kind of breaks through in people's lives. And there's many different ways to fast. There's a, a full-on fast, and that's just basically just straight-up water. You just drink water, and, and you feast on God's Word and, and worship throughout the day. There's a partial fast. It's what a lot of people do. It's you drink water, but also probably whatever you can put in a blender, a T-bone steak or whatever, and you, it's liquid. It's all good. There's a Daniel fast, and the Daniel fast is what Daniel did for 21 days, and that's a pretty popular fast. 
And uh, that's a fast where you just do uh, vegetables and, and fruit. So you abstain from meat and bread and sugars and that. But there's also a sun up to sundown fast. In other words, you wouldn't eat throughout the day. And when the sun goes down at night, then you would have a meal. So there's a lot of different ways that you could fast. And so, but, but what is fasting? Fasting, it's a spiritual discipline. In fact, in Jesus's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives three when you statements. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. He doesn't command that we do those things. He presumes that a Christian, a believer, would be doing those things. Why? Because just like breathing, eating, and sleeping are necessary for a healthy physical life, giving, praying, and fasting are necessary for a healthy spiritual life. And see, what happens is, is when we give and when we fast, it disconnects us from this world, the hold of this world. And when we pray, it connects us to the next world. It connects us to God. So when we're fasting and we're praying, we're, we're losing the hold that the, this world has on us and we're focusing on God to connect to him. So it's a spiritual discipline. Fasting is also hungering for God. What we're saying is, God, I'm going to abstain from something that's, that's not bad. It's good. Food is good, but I'm going to abstain from that because I want to hunger for you. Fasting also will sharpen you spiritually. If you find yourself spiritually kind of dull, not as sharp as you once were, fasting is a way to sharpen your life spiritually. Fasting causes you to be more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as you begin to put off the distractions and you begin to seek God and you begin to pray and you begin to worship and you begin to dial your focus in on God, all of a sudden the voice of the Holy Spirit becomes very clear to you. Fasting also will purge you spiritually. What do I mean? Well, when we fast and pray, what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll illuminate areas of our lives. He'll bring to light different areas that maybe he wants to deal with, areas that he wants to touch. Areas that he wants you to overcome. Things that may have been holding you back. It's an opportunity to be able to come to God and, and be purged of those things. But also, fasting releases God's power and his anointing in our life. I'm reminded of the, the story in the Bible where the disciples, uh, a man brought to to them, uh, his son who was possessed with a demon and they couldn't cast it out. And, and all, after Jesus came and he dealt with the situation off to the side, they said, teacher, master, why couldn't we deal with this? How can we, what, we weren't effective. He said, this kind only come out by what? By prayer and with fasting. So there's a, there's a power that comes to your life. You know, over 70 times in the scripture, fasting is mentioned. In fact, Jesus, he fasted 40 days. Elijah and Moses both fasted 40 days. Daniel fasted 21 days. The apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he, he fasted 14 days, then 10 days, then seven days. And often he says, I was in times of prayer and fasting. Peter fasted for three days and the early church fasted often. And in fact, every single writer of the book of the Bible would have fasted at least one day a year at the day of atonement. So we see in the scripture that fasting is, is very much so a part of the believer's life. And in Luke chapter four, Jesus, after he's baptized by John the Baptist, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness before he starts his ministry where he fasts and prays for 40 days. And he comes out of Luke chapter four, 
And he goes into Luke chapter five. And in Luke chapter five, there were some religious leaders there and his disciples are there and there's a crowd and they begin to question Jesus about fasting. They said, teacher, answer this for us. How come John's disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they fast often, but your disciples, they don't fast at all. And Jesus said, listen, while the bridegroom, speaking of himself, while the bridegroom is here, they have no need to fast because I'm here, but they will come a time very soon where I will be taken away and then they'll fast. And then right after he says those words, he goes right into this uh, teaching on fasting in Luke chapter five, verse 36 and 37. I want us to look at it this morning. He said, then he spoke a parable to them and he says, no one puts a piece from a new garment on the old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine would burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. What is Jesus trying to explain to them in this parable? He's saying, you don't take a, a, a cloth that is old, that has already been washed, it's already been dried. And so like your favorite garment that you tell your spouse, please do not dry this. And they, what happens? It shrinks. He says, you don't take a new garment that hasn't had any movement into it, in it yet and attach it to an old. Otherwise it'll move and it'll tear. And then he says, likewise, you don't take new wine. What's so important about new wine is new wine is still active. In other words, it's still in the process of fermenting. You don't take new wine that's active and put it into old wineskins. It's going to burst the wineskins. And that's what we're doing at the very beginning of this year is we're saying, Lord, I thank you for what you did in my life last year. I thank you for what you did in the years past, but 2021 is a brand new year. And if I want new wine, new activity of the Holy Spirit in my life in a new year, I've got to give God a what? A new wineskin. And so when we fast, and when we pray, what we're doing is giving God a new wineskin that he can pour fresh wine into our lives, speaking of the Holy Spirit. But when should I fast? Well, if you're spiritually dry, it's probably a good thing to fast. If it's been a long time since you've heard God speak to you or you felt God's presence, it's probably time that you would fast. Uh, when you need direction in your life, that's a big one. That's a great time to fast. I, I remember my wife and I, 22 years ago, we were at kind of like a crossroads in our life where we had a, one opportunity before us and we had another opportunity over here and we didn't really know what to do. And so I said, you know, I could lay, list out the pros and cons, but I, I, I know that if I make the wrong choice, it'll have massive implications on our life. And so uh, I fasted for 30 days. And so before you think I'm too spiritual, I, or, you know, I, I fasted just 30 lunches in a row is what it was. And so every day at lunch, I would go off and I would go to a park and I would take communion. I would read the Bible and I would pray or I'd go home and go to my study and I would begin to seek God. I would say, God, I, I need to know your direction. I don't know what direction. I don't know where to turn, what to do. And after that 30 day period, let me just tell you, not only did God confirm it in my heart, what I needed to do, but God clearly spoke to me through the word. And I, with confidence, made the decision that led us to be here today where we are. 
When you need direction in your life, a career change, if you're moving, if you're uprooting, it's a good time to fast. And especially the last thing I want to mention is it's a great time to fast if you need a breakthrough. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you need a breakthrough in your life, what is a breakthrough? Well, the definition of a breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic, and important advance. A sudden, dramatic, and important advance. Advance. I guess the opposite of a breakthrough would be a what? It would be a setback. Or maybe it would be being stalled out or being stalemated. In other words, maybe there's an area in your life that you know is a problem. Maybe there's an area in your life. It could be a mindset. It could be a stronghold. It could be a way of thinking that you can't break out of. It could be an addiction in your life that you can't just seem to overcome like Danielle was facing. And, and you need a breakthrough, Right? And you need a sudden dramatic and you need an important advance, but you can't seem to do it. That is a great time to fast and pray. Every single time anyone in the Bible experienced a breakthrough, it was because they fasted and they, prayed, they prayed and they obeyed God. And we're going to follow the same pattern. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's uh, your career. Maybe it's in your relationship with God. You need a breakthrough. But here's what, what I know to be true is that oftentimes God will use our pain to speak to us. You see, it's not necessarily the see the light moments that gets us moving forward. We would love to think that, but it's really not. When we generally as human beings tend to move forward and progress, it's when we feel the heat, not when we see the light. It's when we feel the, the pain of whatever situation we're in, when we're like, I can't keep acting and responding this way. I've got to overcome this for my wife, for my kids, for my business, for just me as a person, for the call of God on my life. I can't keep doing these same things and ending up in the same place. I need a breakthrough. C.S. Lewis talking about how God speaks to us. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. God wants to speak to you in the areas of your life that you need a breakthrough. Psalms 120 verse one, the psalmist says this. He says, in my distress, what's distress? It's pain. He says, in my pain, in my distress, I needed a breakthrough. He says, I sought the Lord. I cried out to God and he heard me. About 10 years ago, my wife, uh, you know, started getting me into hiking. And, and, and at first, I just got to admit, I'm like, I wasn't real thrilled about it. And she was like, let's go hiking. And I'm like, okay, so fun, you know, walking, you know. And so we'd go to Eagle Mountain State Park and, and it was awesome. And then she, you know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing for her. And so she's like, let's go every day. I'm like, let's not. I've seen the same deer and the same squirrel, the same armadillo, the same lake, you know. And it's, then she's like, let's go take a trip somewhere really cool. And I was like, yeah, that'd probably be cool. So we took a trip to Oregon. We went to the Columbia River Gorge area and man, I was just hooked. We were off in the back country hiking or waterfalls everywhere and it was just awesome. And every year since we've been taking trips uh, to the Pacific Northwest and I got into not just hiking, but, but backpacking. And, and that's basically putting everything that you need on your back and going as far as you can and just experiencing all that God has in store. And so I had my eye for a long time on this particular uh, through hike. And uh, there's a couple in the United States, major through hikes. There's a PCT 
There's the Appalachian Trail, the AT. There's the John Muir. And the next one is uh, the Wonderland Trail. And the Wonderland Trail, it's one of the top 10 through hikes in the entire world. And it goes all the way around Mount Rainier in, in Washington. And it's about 100 miles, goes all the way around. It's 27,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. And it's not easy to get a permit to get this hike. It, it, with, with social media, these, these hikes are really popular now. So you have to apply in a two-week window, and it's a lottery system. And so uh, they pulled our ticket the very first try, and I was like, man, you know, this is awesome. And so I, I grabbed a couple of our friends, a couple of our pastor friends, Pastor Pat and Pastor Chris, our McKinney campus pastor. And I said, man, we're going to do this. So we begin to train, and we begin to prepare, and all the things that we needed to do, you know, figure out where we're going to drop our food and where we're going to stay. And so we fly, we go. And, and most people take seven to 14 days to do this trip. And we said, you know, we're strong young men. You know what I'm saying? We're going to do it five nights, six days. And, you know, that, that was a little, uh, you know, over, you know, just kind of thinking it. But, you know, 20-something mile days, most days, and hiking 15 hours straight. We were hiking into the dark. And we had made it. We are 80-something miles out in the backcountry. And it was awesome. It was painful, but it was awesome. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we're having a great time getting to know one another, hanging out, just joking around, seeing what God has created. It was awesome. And the very uh, last night, right before we got to camp, we we're about a mile away from our campsite. And we started ascending this, this pretty steep, overgrown, rocky uh, side of this mountain. And uh, it was about 3,000 foot of elevation gain and about a mile and a half. So if you know anything about that, it's pretty much straight up. And it was, it was really difficult. It was really hard going. And so Pastor Pat, we were just egging him on, you know, it was a long day. And so we we're like, you know, here's some Sour Patch Kids, man. And here's some Slim Jims. And you know what I'm saying? You're a wild man. You can do this. Go ahead. And he was just like, all right, rah, rah, rah. And so he takes off. And we give him a five minute head start. And we're like, we're coming to get you, Pat. But problem was he was so hyped up. I don't know if our, it was our encouragement or it was the Slim Jims, but he just took off and we couldn't catch him. And he's going. And by this time, we're, we're almost cresting the top of the mountain and it's getting dark. And so our headlamps are on. And all of a sudden I stopped because I hear someone scream. And I looked at Pastor Chris and I was like, did you just hear that? He's like, yeah, it's Pat. And then we hollered, hey, man, we're coming. And he's like, I broke my leg. And we're like, ha ha, you're funny. And if you saw him on a scooter, you know, he wasn't joking. And uh, he said these words, my foot is hanging. And we thought, oh, no. Immediately, no longer was it about finishing the trip. No longer was it about, oh, this is a joyous thing. We were in a serious situation. I have been in a backcountry enough to know that where we were, how far out we were, there was no, let's get your neighbor to come help you. We're on our own. And where he particularly fell was probably one of the most worst places he could have fallen for a rescue operation to come and get us. We were in a terrible situation. My heart fell into my stomach. We run up there, we assess, and, and I, and I got to admit, Pastor Chris, he was, he was awesome, you know, and he was like a, an EMT, you know, nurse or something. He was like, okay, you're going to go into shock. Look at my eyes. Don't fall asleep. Now I'm thinking they're going, we're in trouble, we're in trouble, we're in trouble, we're in trouble. My mind's just racing. I'm like, you know, so we pick him up. And we carry him to this boulder field where it was the only place that we could kind of stage ourselves. And we immediately started trying to assess the situation. And we saw that his trekking poles were snapped in two. And we're like, man, I was like, I got an idea. I've watched a lot of Bear Grylls, so you just need to trust me on this. It's going to be great. And so like, we made a splint out of trekking poles and duct tape. And then I had some paracord in my, in my bag. And we used the carabiner because every time his foot would lean over, he would start screaming. So we'd pull out. I was like, I can't look. I 
can't look, you know. And uh, so we got him situated, got dry clothes, and then I ran down to a waterfall about a mile away to go get us some water. And I come back up and I said, Chris, do you have him? Is he going to be okay? He's like, yeah. I said, I've got to coordinate a rescue. We got to figure out how we're going to get out of this situation. Well, about a year or so uh, ago, I bought this device. It's the Garmin inReach Mini. There are many different types of devices like this, but I bought this one. And um, I'd watched a lot of videos on it. And this is not only to track how far you're going, to get weather reports and all that kind of stuff, let people know you can text back home and all that kind of stuff. But the real reason I bought this was for uh, distressful, stressful situations just like we found ourselves in. If we needed to call for rescue, somebody needed to be able to find us to be able to get us out. And so I had watched a lot of videos on this. I had read a lot of reports and I'd studied the manual and I'd set it up and, and I kind of knew what I needed to do. The problem was I'd never actually done it before. And so I went up to a high point of the mountain where it was clear and I was just praying. And I was just like, God, we're in trouble. Like we're in big trouble. If this thing doesn't work, I don't know how we're going to get him off this mountain. He's got a family. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. There's no way we're carrying him off this mountain. And all of a sudden, I, I don't know. I can't remember if I was supposed to push the SOS button to hold on, but I held on for dear life. I hit that button and I just held on to it for as long as I could. And it finally sent a signal. And I set it down and I came back to check on them. And what seemed like an hour, but was really only five minutes waiting for a reply. And all of a sudden, this device goes off. And it's the search and rescue team. And we start coordinating, you know, rescue. But we spent 15 hours on the side of this mountain by ourselves in the dark, in the cold, alone. No one was coming to get us. And we begin to pray and we begin to worship God and we put some worship music on. And, I, and, and it's hard for me to describe in that stressful, difficult, lonely situation that we found ourselves in, the peace of God that passes all understanding in no way, shape, or form should we have been at peace in that situation. God's presence came and met us on that mountain. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people in life who find themselves maybe not in this kind of situation, but maybe in their marriage, maybe in their finances, Maybe if with one of their children or maybe in their business, they're in a difficult situation. And if you don't have a way to be able to call for help and know that somebody's on the other end of that line, I don't know what you do in that situation. Well, I know what you do. You turn to substances. You turn against one another. You begin to blame. You, be, you quit. You, you try to muscle your way through that situation. But when you need a spiritual breakthrough in your life, you cannot muscle your way through a situation. It's not by might. It's not by power. It is by God's spirit. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down or just kind of put this at the front of your mind. Physical acts of obedience lead to spiritual breakthrough. In other words, breakthroughs generally do not happen out of the blue. You have to do something. And on that mountain, a breakthrough didn't just come our way because we wished for it. I had to actually physically do some things. I had to buy a device. I had to get a subscription. I had to study on how this thing operated. And I actually had to go through the steps when I was in that situation. It's the same thing for you and I spiritually. When we need a breakthrough in our life, when we need, to God, not need God to show up, there's things that, that we need to do. What I want to do in the last couple minutes that we have together is I'm going to tell you a story of two kings and two valleys 
that experienced two breakthroughs. And I'm going to share with you real quick at a breakthrough experience that I had in my life. And now I'm going to pray for you. The first king is King David. And we find his story in 2 Samuel chapter 5. And immediately after David was anointed king, it was the, the highlight of his life. It was the, the highest point of his life. He gets word that the Philistine army is coming against them in a place called the Valley of Rephaim, which is the Valley of Giants. Maybe you're here today and you feel like there are giants standing in your way. Well, David was facing that. And the Bible says that when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king, all of the Philistines came to search for him. But David heard of it and he went down to the stronghold. Or some translations say he went to a fortified place. It's important to have. When the enemy comes against you, it's important to have a fortified place. Your church is a fortified place. We'll stand with you. We'll pray with you. We'll believe with you. Your small group is a, is a fortified place. So he turns and doesn't go out and fight. He turns and first he goes to seek God. And the Bible says that he inquired of the Lord. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there and said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim, which means like water the Lord broke through. You see, I'm believing in 2021 that like David, you will be able to name a place in your life the Lord broke through. In my marriage, the Lord broke through. In my relationship with my son or my daughter or family member, the Lord broke through. In my finances, the Lord broke through. In my business, the Lord broke through. In my relationship with God, the Lord broke through. Second story is a story of a king and his name is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a righteous king. He was a godly man. And he had brought reform into the nation of Judah. And right off that, after that big high, he too finds out that not only is there one army coming against him, not two armies coming against him, there are three different nations coming against him. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, it says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Minuites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid. That's a natural response, but he didn't stay there. He turned and he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all of the cities they came to seek God. So Jehoshaphat is there and he gets word that he's being surrounded by three different nations that are coming against him. You know, sometimes we feel like the enemy is just circling our life, trying to take us out. He was afraid and he was worried. That's a natural response. But he knew where his help comes from. He knew he couldn't muscle his way through this situation. He couldn't break through the enemy in his own strength. So he did what every man and woman of God needs to do when they need to break through. He turns to God. He begins to fast and he begins to pray. In fact, he declares a national fast. The entire nation of Judah. We're talking men, women, children, everyone came before the temple and began to fast and began to pray and seek God. 
And a prophet stands up by the Holy Spirit and begins to tell him exactly what they need to do. And they get this strategy to go out to battle, but it's not a kind of strategy that you would, you would think. It's not a war strategy. It's a God strategy. I mean, you know, when, when we fast and pray and God speaks to us, a lot of times it's not like what we think it's going to be. Kind of sounds odd. Like, you want me to do what? You want me to call so-and-so up and apologize to them? You want me to write them? A, you want me to do what, God? But when we obey God, he always breaks through. So this was God's plan. His plan was simply this. I want you not to go out and fight with your fist or with weapons. I want you to get the priest and the worshipers dressed in their holy attire. And they are to lead the entire nation out towards the battlefield, worshiping and singing and proclaiming my faithfulness to the enemy. And you watch, I'm going to throw them into confusion. Can you believe this is our, this is our strategy? This is what we're going to do. But they go out and they trust God. Against all reason, they trust God and, and they go out. And the Bible says that God caused the enemies into confusion. They were thrown into confusion and they began to fight one another till they destroyed every single one who was standing. And then Jehoshaphat and all of the people of Judah come through. And we pick the story up in verse uh, 25. It says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil, they found among them in great numbers, goods and clothing and precious things. And when they took for themselves until they took for themselves until they could carry no more, there were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka. And for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the valley of Baraka to this day. That word means the valley of blessings. God turned what was a valley of battles into a valley of blessings. I believe that's what God wants to do in your life this year. Turn your place of a battle into a place of blessings. What the enemy meant for evil, that God would turn it for good. How do I get a breakthrough in my life? Well, we do what they did. We do what every single person in the entire Bible that's ever gone before us has ever done that's gotten a breakthrough. What did they do? They fasted, they prayed, and they obeyed. It's that simple. You fast. You pray and whatever God tells you to do, even if it's kind of like it does not compute what God is asking me to do, you step out in obedience anywhere because physical acts of obedience lead to spiritual breakthrough every single time. I told you I would tell you about an area of my life that I needed a breakthrough. It was right after I gave my life to Jesus that... Um, I had a spirit of fear that would come to me and torment me at night. And I wasn't ready for it. I was so terrified of the dark. I'm not talking about like as a kid, you're afraid, you think monsters are in your bed. I'm, ta I'm talking a spirit of fear would come and torment me. I couldn't sleep with the light off for almost two years. I couldn't drive in my truck at night by myself. I was constantly looking in the mirror because I had these encounters that were so real and so tormenting and so paralyzing. I would try to go to sleep at night and I would weep and I would cry. I couldn't take it. I'd turn the light on and I'd fall right asleep. I was, I was enslaved. I was trapped. I had everybody that I ever knew pray for me Every prayer meeting, I would go down forward and have somebody pray for me. 
I would fast, I would pray, I would seek God, I would anoint my room, I would anoint myself. And God began to speak to me. And he said, I want you to study. I want you to study what my word has to say about fear. And I found every single passage and every single scripture that I could possibly find in the Bible that had anything to do with fear. And I began to consume the word of God. I memorized Psalms 91 and I would confess it every single night. I would confess there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And I had all these scriptures and, and I was fasting, but the Lord kept telling me, that you go to bed with the light off and when it comes, you need to stand up to it. I said, well, I can't do it. I would try and I would give up. 20 something year old young man, scared of the dark, tormented, enslaved. Finally, the Lord, through a season of fasting and praying, the Lord revealed to me what this spirit really was. And the Lord said, you know how when you were younger, how you couldn't stand when people were bullied and pushed, pushed on and made fun of? It's like, yeah. Why are you allowing the enemy to bully you, to push you? Why are you allowing him to dominate you when I've already dominated him? He's just a bully. And as soon as you stand up to him, I have your back. And I remember, man, I fasted and I prayed extra worship, extra word before bedtime that night. And I, I went to bed and I turned the light off and man, I could hear my heart racing in my ears. And all of a sudden that spirit came. But when it came, I stood on my bed and for 45 minutes, every single scripture that I ever memorized and learned about fear, I began to quote until that thing went away and it never came back. Never came back. Why do I tell you that? Because if God did it in my life, God can do it in your life. If God broke through in my life in 1999, I can look and say, in my life, in the area of fear, God broke through. God can do it in your life too. I did the same thing I'm telling you to do. I'm not preaching theory. I'm preaching something I actually lived and walked through. If you fast, if you pray, and if you obey, you will experience breakthrough in your life. I guarantee it 100%. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every single person within the sound of my voice, those that are here and those that are online. And God, I thank you that you are the Lord of the breakthrough. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us areas of our lives that we need a breakthrough. And God, give us the courage to do these three simple things to fast, to pray, and then obey whatever it is you tell us to do. God, if we do those things, I know that you would watch over your word to perform it, that people will experience breakthrough, that they'll look back at 2021 and said, in my marriage, the Lord broke through. In my finances, the Lord broke through. In my relationship with God, the Lord broke through. God, you will turn a valley of battles and you will turn it into a valley of blessings. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.